Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 360. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. How's life treating you? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's good. We're doing good. Hanging in there. Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, I got a lot better than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about... It's like every day I think about a a new like vocation or like subset of people who are going through this and like thinking about how how it's impacting them you know from like uh hairdressers to entertainment workers to like even even like sex workers and homeless and like how this is all affecting them in in different ways i I don't know if you I'm sure you probably have, but the, like one of the main things that I've realized or thought about is like, thank God I am not in the assisted living er- arena oh, anymore. Yeah. Like I was for like years. Yeah. And the janitorial work. Got to be pretty rough. I mean, I know that a lot of the, I mean, most assisted living and nursing homes are closed to, they're locked down to visitors, but obviously, you know, the, the, the workers got to keep it everything running and keep keep them safe keep, oh, the, yeah. keep the residents oh, you safe mean, you remember the moment, like someone would get the stomach flu yeah I, I mean th- anything I remember that remember that one time we were I can't remember which nursing home we were working at. I think that was in Shrewsbury when we were there the, was like the that, flu? yeah that flu outbreak holy crap and they had to like quarantine that whole wing and you had to like get like full hazmat gear just to go in yeah, I I didn't work there at the time, but my wife was telling me about that. It was crazy because she used to, and I don't have to remind her because she was like, "I wonder if Adam worked there when that happened." Yeah, I did. Uh, there it was it was horrific, dude. Like every day, it was like one or two people died every day. Yeah, it was just it was it was so rough, and I imagine that it's probably worse right now than than what was happening during that time. A flu outbreak. Oh yeah, like he, like in Lancaster County, like I think almost all of our cases are nursing homes for assisted living. Yeah, it's it's really really bad. Uh, keeping a uh, pretty somber tone this week, we have a review for Eliza Hitman's Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. We'll also be going over some watching on the watch list and new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray, except not theaters, of course. Mm-hmm. which is ter- no. terribly sad still uh maybe maybe i'll mention the maybe we'll talk about that at the end of the watch list but there's a lot of um companies and things doing sort of tr- trying the virtual theater experience and stuff like that to try to keep keep some of these theaters Ooh. running during this time Listen, we can talk about that a little bit now because it has been that's one thing i mean it sucks that it's kind of like lined up with me not being a hundred percent into movies right now, which I talked about last podcast where it's finding it difficult to watch movies, you know, attention span wise and everything. But it, I hate to say it this way, but there's a tiny bit of excitement with movies right now because it seems like every time I jump on Twitter or the internet, I'm learning about movies that are now available. Where, you know, someone else has set up this virtual theater or virtual online cinema or this filmmaker has made all of their shorts available and this place is, you know, 
release their entire catalog for viewing. You know, like it, you just don't know what's going to happen day by day. Yeah, um, I, I think that you know, as many horrific things are coming out of this this event, uh, we have a lot of really great things coming out of it too. I mean, a lot of these companies are trying to. I mean, maybe some of them more selfishly than others, but a lot of them are trying to keep us entertained, you know? And you have, uh, like earlier this week, the South by Southwest announced that they're going to be releasing a program this month that is going to have all of the feature films that we're going to be screening at South by as long as the filmmaker, you know, wants to participate, uh, and yeah. they get a fee. They get paid. They get a, I don't know how much, but they do get a fee for having their movie be part of this online South by Southwest festival, which could be really nice for some of these indie filmmakers who maybe this is their first feature that they got into South by now they, and then, and then nobody got to see their movie. Um, and then of, of course, like you have to pay to, submit your film to a film festival. So maybe this will allow them to recoup some of those losses. Again, I don't know how much of a fee they're getting, um, but I think it's really cool. And on top of that, this South by Southwest festival is going to be completely free. Even if you're not a prime member, you can still view it. So it's going to be in front of the paywall, like the Amazon prime paywall. So even if you're not a prime member, you can enjoy all the South by Southwest movies that are going to be participating in this, which I think is really awesome. Uh, all the shorts, all the South by Southwest shorts are available now uh, f- completely for free. You can watch them, yeah. them all right now. And I mean, you've got like film movement has their films in, you know, this virtual theater, virtual cinema thing, you know, mm-hmm. that you can set it up you can have it you know, linked to like your local theater and they get money for it. Grasshopper Films has a thing. Indie Memphis came out with a thing. Like it seems like everyone's trying to come up with something. Yeah. Um, Kino Lorber, they were the ones who did that initiative that like through their Kino now service, they're um, allowing theaters to run movies like basically first run movies through their, their platform and allowing the theaters to take a cut of the, you know, virtual ticket sales. So you have like, you know, film at Lincoln center having movies, movie screenings online. And when you buy a ticket, you're giving a portion of that ticket sale back to the theater. Tribeca is also working on something. They, they've been releasing a short film for free every single day. And, that that was going to be part of the Tribeca film festival. And then just, I think it was just yesterday or Friday, they announced that they're going to be doing some sort of online viewing for this year's festival because uh, Tribeca was supposed mm-hmm. to be this month and they're mm-hmm. going to be, they're still opening the virtual screening library for press. So like normally if you go to Tribeca's press, you get access to this virtual screening library, which allows you to watch a select number of films uh, from home. They're doing that still, and they're going to be releasing some of the programs, I think, online. Mm. So that's that's going to be cool, too. I don't know 
if it's going to be like open to the public free for everybody if you have to pay i'm not sure but i think we're going to see some more interesting things coming very soon when it come when it comes to these like festival movies it's just so it's a it's a touch difficult to keep up with it though at least it is for me i've been fine because it seems like every day they you know there's like four or five six different things that came out or i just learned about that day of you know options viewing options yeah well, that's why I've been really trying to keep the the our VOD release calendar up to date. And anytime I get a press release or anything about one of these new initiatives that's happening, I try to get it posted up on the site so that it'll be there. I mean, for it's as much of a reminder for me as it is for anyone going to the site at this point. Because yes, it there's a lot there's a lot going on, especially with like release dates changing and moving around and. You know, the like there are movies that were going to be on VOD like after a short theatrical run, and then they just bump up the the VOD release to in place of the theatrical run. So it's it's it is very confusing right now. Yeah, because I think that even happened with you know the movie that we're discussing. I think originally I heard Hitman was saying that she was kind of leaning away from going the VOD route. And then, you know, like two days later, all of a sudden it's going to be available VOD wise. It seems that, you know what I mean? It just, it seems like it's always changing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy how quickly they are able to push these out and get, get them up on online. Before we get into the review, I just want to quickly mention there will be a new Ryan watches a movie this week. Uh, we had him watch Logan Lucky. So stay. Tune into that on Thursday. I think we can go ahead and get into our review here. Uh, Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Uh, As Kevin mentioned, this is directed by Eliza Hittman. I have a synopsis here. A pair of teenage girls in rural Pennsylvania travel to New York City to seek out medical help after an unintended pregnancy. This comes after Beach Rats. Now, if I remember correctly, you you liked Beach Rats, right? The Beach Rats is is a movie that, like, at the time, I was like, you know, this is pretty good, but, you know, it's not really sticking with me. I didn't think it was that phenomenal or anything, you know, but it's one of those that it's like, it's kind of grown over the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe Beach Rats is actually like phenomenal. <laughs> I, might have to go, I might have to go back to Beach Rats. And, and I think that's kind of the same thing here with this movie is she makes movies that are very unassuming, very quiet, kind of, you know, uh, very patient, kind of small scale, even though the, the, the subjects that she's tackling aren't small scale at all. But the way in which she, you know, covers it kind of, you know, these movies are very small and intimate. Right. I, I think that that's a that's a great way of putting it. She's dealing with a very important, very um, broad topic, one that I think everyone needs to be thinking about. But she's doing it in a very intimate sort of minimal way in a very very uh, if you've seen beach rats or um it felt like love it's the same style where it feels almost like a docu-fiction the way that it's filmed um hyper realistic Uh, a lot of really great like handheld camera work um i love the look of this movie same with like beach rats as well. And that I think adds to the realism of everything. Yeah. But I think she does get 
enough in there stylistically wise, especially in this movie. Um, the I'm thinking of like the scenes where Autumn has the has the uh, the sonograms, mm-hmm. the way that that's handled uh, when she has the first procedure done in New York, mm-hmm. the way that that's handled, those types of things, where she's able to to throw in, you know, they're they're sparse these these stylistic flourishes, which I think are really they end up being far more impactful because you're so, like you said, it's hyper-realism, you know, almost all of the time. And then out of nowhere, you'll have this unexpected little flourish that I think works really, really well. And again, it's more, you know, it's kind of like Beach Rats where I was like, you know, that was a pretty good movie. That was good. That was good. But I have a feeling that like over time, I'm going to keep thinking about this movie. It's going to keep like creeping back into my thoughts. And it's like, hey, you know what? That might actually have been like fantastic. I think that she made a lot of really smart choices with this movie. I think that first of all, I think that it's there's some pretty expert, expertly done casting here. the The lead, played by Sydney Flanagan, this is her first. This is her debut. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. I, I I didn't believe that. <laughs> like, was like what? What is she from? She's got to be from something. Yeah, I don't know where I don't know where she came from, but holy crap, did she just destroy this role? I mean, she was so good, just so expertly done. I mean, this is a this is a complex role. This is a very complicated role. You you're playing a a 17 year old woman who discovers that she's pregnant and has to go go through so many hoops and and obstacles to have an abortion. And it, I think not only does the film expertly show something that's really important that we all need to know about and understand that this is, this is how things are in this country right now, but also uh, it's a very, I think it is most likely a very challenging role, especially for a first time actor. And man, she just was so good in it. Yeah. And I mean, it's a, it's a tough one because she's, she's dealing with what she's dealing with, but the fact that the way that Hitman handle, handles this film is like, it's not sensationalized. Uh, it's not over-dramatized. You know, it's, you know, there's not these huge emotions. It's not that kind of thing. Like a lot of her performance is just interior work, but she does a really great job handling. And she plays it like a 17-year-old teenager that's kind of in this crisis where there's not a whole lot of talking right. from her. There's not a whole lot of, you know, freaking out or anything like that. It's, she's got to kind of play this like muted panic mm-hmm. and confusion almost because as she's trying to navigate this complicated, you know, what are the what are the PA laws? What can she do? And of course, she was given, you know, incorrect information that she didn't know about from her small rural PA uh, doctor's office that she finds out when she gets to New York. Yeah, I think that that was one of those uh, fake, like Planned Parenthood clinics, the ones that are like from like the anti-abortion people, and they set up these like fake clinics to, oh yeah, you know, trick basically trick young women into it, not having abortions. And I mean, obviously, I don't know like what these places are like, but you kind of get a sense of that in the way that it's, it's kind of shot. Like she's doing the, 
the test and the like some of the paperwork on I think it was was it like a crib or like a bassinet type thing mm-hmm. you know and then when she's like are you abortion minded and she pulls up like a video from like what was that like 1981 <laughs> yeah I mean like you knew right off the bat that it was like okay the they have their own agenda here oh yeah yeah definitely and you could you could tell that I mean I'm sure that the the way that it's portrayed in this film is probably very similar to how they are in real life where you know they, they they're very oh, yeah. they're very careful about how they word things in these places so as to not like be overtly committing fraud you know yeah yeah and I think that I, I I'm just going off of what you were saying before about autumn and her sort of mindset i think that there's also a fair amount of mistrust that she has to convey in this because uh as a 17 year old you typically don't trust you don't trust adults you don't trust authority figures anyway and her character specifically i think and this is another thing that that hitman did that i really that i really appreciated in this film but um it, it seems apparent that there's she has reason to mistrust uh, specifically adults. I mean, she doesn't seem to really trust anyone except maybe her best friend, but the adults in her life are all horrible scumbags also. And, and I think that, um, you know, it seemed like there was something weird going on with, I guess that was her dad. I don't know if it was her dad or her stepdad, but oh yeah, I think I think it was her stepdad. It seemed like there was something weird going on with him too, and it's never even. I, I think that what, what I the thing that I thought was really um, nice about how Hitman presented this was that you never really know who the father is. You don't really know the backstory with how yeah. she became pregnant, and yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you pointed that out because I I really enjoyed that too. Is that like that doesn't matter. Like that's completely irrelevant right. to everything that's happening here. Exactly. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who the father was. We know that this was an unintended pregnancy. Something probably awful happened that, that brought us to this point, but we need to move on from here. Like this is where we need to start and this is where we need to move forward. And I thought that that was a really, really great choice to do that because that's not something you you typically see in these types of dramas i think that they no exactly and that's that that, again that's another easy route i think for a lot of filmmakers it's an easy route to just add that extra drama in there Mm -hmm. but you know hitman's not really interested in that she knows that there's enough inherent drama in what's happening from the point where she finds out you know, she takes the test and finds out and then her decision and what she has to do in order to, in order to see it to fruition. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that was a, such a great decision because it would have, I think it would have, if you did include stuff like that, I think that it might've created this sort of more, not a false narrative, but like, it may have detracted from the realism because everything that we see here indicates that whoever the father is, she doesn't want that person to be in her life. She doesn't want that person to maybe even know about it. So it would, it would feel weird and sort of counterintuitive if, if we did bring that drama into it. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think it distracts from the overall um, story here, which is a 17 year old girl 
from, you know, like a, a rural Pennsylvania town where you don't really have the resources and the laws and everything like that, that person trying to navigate getting an abortion and then what it's like to try and get an abortion at that age with where you live. Mm-hmm. And I think any of the, any of the, that stuff would be superfluous and would just distract from that main point. You know, I think anyone who is for the defunding of Planned Parenthood should have to see this movie because I think this movie accurately conveys how vitally important things like Planned Parenthood are. Oh, yeah. And just how, I mean, it just shows how confusing it can be. And I mean, you know, I can't imagine how difficult it is to try and navigate this at, you know, 26 years old, 28 years old, you know, let alone as a 17 year old that really doesn't know the laws in Pennsylvania and then, you know, all the things that you have to go through and how it differs from state to state and what your options are and what you have to do, that type of thing. And she had, she had her friend uh, played by Talia Ryder. She had her, was it, was it actually her cousin? She, at one point she says it's her cousin, but I think it's just her friend. I don't know if it is actually yeah, her cousin. I'm not sure. At any rate, um, she has at least one person who she can, count on during this ordeal and there's a lot of people who don't who don't have anybody that they can talk to and you know they're very wary about talking to medical professionals and stuff like that just because of what they've gone through in their lives and it's just a really bad situation and i mean i think fortunately in autumn's case she knew what she wanted to do she wasn't swayed by what the like fake clinic people said to her and i think that she even though she did seem to not like they offered her uh, a place to stay for the night and stuff and she turned that down which i guess i can understand but at the same time as somebody who's just like viewing this as a movie i'm like why why would you turn that down but you know yeah and i I think that's because there's an element of like me being older and watching i'm just like you need to get your rest like you need to be resting you have a thing, you know, you have a medical procedure tomorrow. Like, please get some sleep. Don't go to the bowling alley. Just don't. You got to sleep. You got to at least get eight hours, if not more. Yeah. Well, I think that that's another thing that, that I think that goes along with Hitman very acutely having the audience be empathizing with these characters. Um, we were constantly wanting for autumn to make the right decisions and have her get through this, this situation successfully. And yeah, but uh, and again, a lot of the decisions are made, like you can understand them coming from a 17 year old. Yeah. hundred like, percent. Yeah. Like it completely makes sense. Especially, especially because it seems like there was, you know, some horrible things that, that had happened to her in her past. I mean, you know, Prior to this episode, we I would kind of say that the title of this movie is not easy to say or remember, and I still agree with that. But the scene when the scene that that happens where you know this this got its title from is such a powerful scene. You know that's when certain things are alluded to and revealed, and it like man, what a gut punch that scene. Yeah, that's a tough one to watch. So yeah, I think that. Um, this is an important film. I think it's a film that a lot of people should see. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't know if this is 
going to change people's minds after seeing it, but that's just because people are stubborn and assholes. Yeah. I guess my only criticism uh, would be the, the, the male representation of this film. Like every dude in this movie was a complete asshole. And I just would have liked to see yeah. w- one nice guy. Yeah. Just one. But just just one nice guy. The, the, what are you talking about? The guys that work in the in the subway. I thought they were helpful answering questions. They're much better than any mm. subway and I like I could actually understand them. I mean, I, I don't know. Like I don't know. They were like, just kinda doing it? their job though. Like uh, Yeah, but they they were they were nice. I, nice, people. nice enough. They were nice enough, I guess. Nice yes. enough. Nice enough. I mean, compared to er, compared to everyone <laughs> else, like the the guy the guy that was like jerking off on the subway and that other guy that, that they, does that other guy that, that they does met, happen though. It, 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 I, I'm I'm not saying that it shouldn't have been in there. I'm just saying it would have been nice to have like yeah. one other one other guy not be a complete prick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I'm sure there's a lot of women that think that in real life too. I'm sure you there's know? a I'm sure there's a lot of women that deal with that in, in that's what I, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, like I, get, I wish I could just come in contact with one guy that isn't a prick. Yeah. In real life, not a movie. Unfo- I'm, unfortunately, I think that there are women out there who all their interactions with men are similar to this and I think that that's horrible. Yeah. But still, there are courteous not predatory men out there i know just a way to 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 kind of piggyback over you where you're like you know this is a an important movie back to that kind of thing and you know that's that's been said of you know numerous films given the subject matter and that that type of thing um and yes i do 100 percent agree that it is that type of movie it is important you should see it that kind of thing but it's also just a very well-made movie too which is a nice bonus where it's just it's fantastic filmmaking, great performances. I mean, the pacing is, I mean, damn near perfect. I mean, there's just not a whole lot to actually like, there's not a whole lot for me to point at and be like, uh, you know, that, that didn't really work for me. You know, pretty much everything worked for me. Same here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this is going to be a really interesting film to come back and watch and sort of reevaluate like decades from now, like 30 years from now, 20, 30 years from now, come back to this movie. See like, cause, cause this is a really, I think accurate snapshot of, of this very specific topic. And I think that it would be kind of fascinating to come back to it like several decades from now and see how things have changed, hopefully for the better. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, great, great movie. Highly recommended. What are you going to give this out of 10? Uh, before that, I do want to say that I was just a trivial thing. I was off because, you know, it's PA. So of course it's this, I don't know if this happens to you, but there's automatically this, like, I have to try and figure out where it is in PA. Oh yeah. I was thinking like Pittsburgh. I was thinking outside of Pittsburgh. That's what it looks like to me, but it's North of Harrisburg is what it is. Yeah. She said something about, cause she mentioned, was she saying like new Cumberland or something? Yeah, it's, it's Northumberland County. Umberland, the yeah. the actual the actual town that she said doesn't exist. I think she I think it was Ellensburg, borough, which I I don't think there is an Ellensboro, but Northumberland County 
is north of Harrisburg, like an hour north. So I was wrong. I will say that uh, the they definitely nailed the PA aesthetic. Like it felt very, very much like Pennsylvania. Everything from like sort of the dreary look of the town to even what they were wearing, even what the characters were wearing felt very, very much hometown, yeah. hometowny to me. <laughs> uh, agreed. Uh, I would give this like a eight, eight and a half, maybe. Yeah, I'm sitting at an eight on this one. I uh, highly recommend it. It is, it's rated PG 13. So it's, you know, mo- most, any, any teenagers can see this movie. It is on VOD. So you can rent it now and uh, watch it at home. So definitely check it out again. That's never rarely, sometimes always not to be confused with that other one. Mm-hmm. That, 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 what's, yeah. The other one is like, it's about Scrabble or something. I think Bill Nye, yeah. he's in it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Why? Why? Sometimes, always, never. Yeah, sometimes, always, never. <laughs> and it came. It, that was slated for theaters April seventeenth. Yeah, I mean, come on. But I mean, Scrabble. That one's about Scrabble. <laughs> don't get confused. Do not get confused. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let's jump into some of what I'm watching on the watch list. Uh, I'll start it off with centipede horror from 1982. Now this, uh, this sort of going off of what we said at the top of the show about these, uh, theatrical, like at home experiences. This is part of Alamo draft houses, terror Tuesdays. So at the Alamo draft house, every, every Tuesday they would do terror Tuesday. They would show a different film, uh, usually it was like sort of a rare print or something like that. It was sort of an event. And then they would also do weird Wednesdays as well. And they are bringing that online. So the, f- the very first one was centipede horror, which is directed by Keith Lee. This is a print. Uh, this is like a 35 millimeter print that was sourced by the American genre film archives. Pretty rare from what I gathered and boy, oh boy. This movie is uh, pretty ridiculous. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, a Chinese film, uh, and it is it's more than about you know you see the title centipede horror and you think oh there's going to be some centipedes eating some people in this and that does happen for sure, but there's a lot more going on than that. See, it's a wizard that's casting yeah. this spell, and he control mm-hmm. the wizard has a centipede spell that makes centipedes attack people and not only attack them, but like go inside of them. And after all the centipedes go inside of you, like he can control you because the centipedes like control your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's, there's even more craziness than that. There's like uh there's a scene where somebody vomits up scorpions. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. there's a scene where a snake grows out of somebody's head. Like it's a snake inside someone's head and it like busts out of their head. Uh, There's a scene where someone reanimates chicken bones and uh, uses, uses these chicken bones to attack people. (laughs) It's uh, pretty out of control. It's, it's not a great movie, but Holy cow, is it worth, worth a look? You're just, you're just saying a bunch of stuff that I like Mm -hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. This is on your watch list, so at some point you must have yeah. read about this. 
No, I think this is probably during because when you originally said Centipede Hearts, man, uh, I was thinking like a like an American movie. Mm-hmm. And if you tell me Centipede Horror, American movie, I'm just like, no, that's not that. Just going based off of that, that's a shit movie. I don't want to see it. No, thank you. No interest. But if you tell me Chinese Hong Kong movie from the 80s, Centipede Horror, that's a, that's a whole different thing. So this is this is probably when I was um, into Boxer's Omen. This was probably during my research. I came across this movie, and I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" Calamity of Snakes <laughs> during that time. Yes, calamity. <laughs> yeah, are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> uh, so this is, I believe, this is actually still available. Yeah, according to this, it is still available now. The cool thing that they did with the Alamo Draft House at least for this series is uh, they put it on Vimeo. So it's not like one of these like weird, uh, you know, streaming services that doesn't work great. Uh, It's on Vimeo. So you can actually, this is still available. It's um, 775 and I think it's worth it. (laughs) Although I will say the, um, first of all, it's really gross. Like if, if that wasn't, if that didn't come through and what I was like already kind of, describing there's a lot of Mm -hmm. real centipedes being used here there's a scene where a woman is vomiting up centipedes and like they're straight up real centipedes that she has like stuffed in her mouth so there's some really gross stuff going on here but um i completely lost my oh the the subtitles are not great so their trans the translation is seems fine however it's white on white so and it's a very light colored movie so there's a lot of scenes where I just straight up couldn't see what they were saying because it was it completely blended oh, I hate in, that. completely blended right, in yeah. with the background. And the subtitles, the subtitles are like they're not new. Like th- this is like directly they're so they're hard coded in to the print. So they're like kind of faded as well. Hmm. So that that would be my main criticism with this. This is not a restoration or anything like that. The print is in kind of rough shape. Uh, I only saw one other movie. And it, it, it took a lot of time to get it, as you know, and that's the Whistler. Oh, so you did see it. I wasn't even sure. <laughs> yeah. that, I wasn't sure that you uh, actually made it through. I was, it, it was like a it was like a day and a half excursion for me. So, you know, it, in some ways it took more time than just going straight to the movie theater. You know, uh, the streaming is supposed to make things a little bit easier, more accessible. And uh, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they make it far more difficult than they should be. Uh, but luckily, with all the, the the rigmarole that I had to go through in order to see this movie, just various different websites, reloading shit, trying different browsers, all that kind of thing, I was able to get it, and it didn't disappoint, because that's what would have really sucked, Adam, is if I'd finally gotten to see it, right? Paid the money for it, got it up and running, and then it was a shitty movie that would have killed me and i probably would have just been like adam i'm done with movies for the month of april <laughs> fuck this We're i tried not, just can't shut it down <laughs> now just shut it down man. before you continue which like which theater did you go through i went through you can go through this is a, a magnolia pictures film so you can go through their website and then they have a list of theaters that you can essentially Support. like the money goes towards them uh-huh and I think when I did it, it was 100% goes to that theater. And then after the third, I want to say, I think when it came out on Friday, 
after the third, it was like a 50-50 split with the theater and Magnolia. Okay. Which theater did you support? I did uh, Midtown Cinema in Harrisburg. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool that they have so they one. Do? That's cool that they have one yeah. relatively close to you. Yeah, they they have a they have a long list on there, which is nice. So you can just scroll through and pick one. Uh, this is more of a if you if you know uh, this is a film by Kunalu Parumbo, and he's the guy that did Police Adjective, um, The Treasure, When Evening Falls on Bucharest, or Metabolism, Infinite Football. Uh, he's a Romanian filmmaker. Um, this is a little bit of a departure. Just slight departure. Number one, it's a much bigger budget. And number two, it's it's kind of like a straightforward genre picture. All right. So it's a, a lot of double crossing, twists and turns. And what it involves is uh, this policeman is kind of working on both sides. He's part of the narcotics department. He's working this case with this guy that he actually works with and makes his money from which is this guy that has like a mattress factory, right? So he's trying to, you know, juggle these two things back and forth. But the guy ends up getting arrested, and now he's got to try and get him out of jail to try and get some of the money back. And what they end up coming up with is to go to the Canary Islands and learn a language which involves whistling. Now, this is a true thing on the island. They have a whistling language. So he kind of incorporates that into the movie where he goes with these gangsters on Canary Island and learns the whistling language, which is kind of their way to communicate when they get back to the home country to break this guy out of jail. They can speak in code, essentially, with the, the whistling language. And then, of course, you know, it slowly uncovers, you know, how he got to this point, how he's going to get out of this and, you know, the, all the, the myriad characters that are involved in this. And I got to say, it's pretty good for like a straight genre picture with that, you know, that element that makes it far more interesting, you know, than your regular genre picture where you have this whistling language that they got to utilize. And I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of twists and turns switching sides like crazy left and right. I mean, it's, it's pretty damn good. Very cool. Yeah. I was interested in this. That's the whistlers. So Check it out. You're on... definitely not going to be. You're not going to be disappointed. Trust me. Yeah. Um. I'm, maybe I'll give that a look today. Actually, I got some time. I got some time that I can give something a look. Uh, all right. I saw Puka lives. This is the latest into the dark entry. I think I'm. I might be done. I might be done with them. <laughs> so I never. Actually, the first Puka was the only one. I'm pretty sure it was the only into the dark episode that I, that I didn't see Uh, this. It's the one that was directed by Nacho Vigalondo. I don't know why that one eluded me, but anyway, I knew that this one was coming. So I watched the first one. I hated it. And then I watched this one and I hated it maybe even more than the first one. (laughs) Like it's just not good. So the premise of this is that there's a, this character this children's character named Puka and it's starts off as sort of a doll that will, it'll like mimic you and sometimes it'll be happy and sometimes it'll be mad. Now the plot of the first movie involves uh, an actor who gets hired to put on the Puka suit and like go to 
you know, children's parties and events and stuff as Puka. And the, the premise of it is that like the suit sort of changes him and he can no longer differentiate between like where, whether he's himself or he's the character of Puka and starts killing people. This one, it takes the concept of Puka and turns it into this thing where this guy decides that he, he, he wants to sort of start a, a viral like internet thing, sort of like um, slender man. Uh, but what happens mm-hmm. is he, he, he and his friends devise this like story about Puka and it goes viral and everybody's doing the Puka challenge. And it turns out that everyone who does this Puka challenge ends up dying. So it sort of like starts off as an internet thing. And then like it is basically willed into existence through the internet. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of a cool concept. One of the cool things that I think that they represent is how stories evolve and change over time online. So like they, he wrote this Puka challenge thing, sent it off and it started gaining traction, went viral and then people started gradually adding to it. And the way that that's represented in the movie is like actually the look of Puka changes. So every time that there's like this new iteration, the actual monster looks different to represent like how the story has evolved. And I thought that, mm-hmm. that was actually pretty cool. But the movie itself was, uh, it's just not great. It's not very entertaining. Like it's just, it's bl- pretty meh. Yeah. Pretty meh. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, if you want to check it out, it is on Hulu, so you can see it there. Uh, I saw Ricochet. This is from 1991. It's directed by Russell Mulkey. I want this movie. So this stars Denzel Washington as a a police officer who, when he is he's he's a police officer, but he's also going to law school, and he's like a he's like a beat cop, and he ends up catching and arresting this hitman played by John Lithgow. Uh, Kevin Pollock is his partner, by the way, Denzel's partner in this. And so years, several years later, Denzel ends up getting a promotion because of this, this collar and he becomes a detective. Same with Kevin Pollock. They're still partners. Now they're detectives. And John Lithgow's character ends up getting out of prison. He breaks out of prison in an absolutely insane scene. This scene is so wild what happens during his so he's up for parole and he does something to break out of prison during his parole hearing and it is so wild this movie is batshit i mean it is so over the top it's it's uh written by fred decker so you know that it's going to be something different when uh with fred decker writing it and man it's wild like it's egregiously violent (laughs) like more violent than it, it has any right to be considering the like the material because it, it seems like it's going to be a pretty straightforward like action movie but it, it's it's not at all it's really bizarre uh the dialogue is also very bizarre too overall it's just kind of a weird movie but i had a blast with it i can't believe i never saw this before but i'm really glad i did if you have hbo go it is available on hbo oh go. shit yeah so you can yeah you can check it out. Again, it's called Ricochet and uh, yeah. <laughs> highly recommend it. I saw Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, yeah. I don't really have much more to add other than the fact that I saw it. It's it's not as bad as I expected it to be. 
Uh, you know, years ago when they started doing these like live action CG hybrids, they were all so bad. Like, remember the Marmaduke movie? Remember the fact that they made no. a Marmaduke movie? No. no. <laughs> like, nope. oh man. And uh, what were those other movies? The ones that like, it was about like pets? Like, uh, oh. remember it was like, there was like a guinea pig and like, it was like a, a bunch of different pets and they all, they, they could talk, but it was like a live action CG hybrid type thing. Anyway, all these movies were really bad. So going into Sonic the Hedgehog and, you know, knowing the the whole like scandal with the the character and the redoing the animations and all of that stuff, like I didn't really have very high expectations going into it. And I gotta say, like it wasn't horrible. I mean, certainly a kids' movie, but the it was it was pretty funny. There were some pretty funny parts. Well, that was good. Jim, Jim Carrey was completely over the top as Doctor Robotnik. He was it was almost an Ace Ventura like role. Oh shit! Like it was, oh, yeah. it was so ridiculous. It was actually annoying. Like I really did not. <laughs> I just didn't like, <laughs> didn't like that character. Keep that back in the nineties. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, like for adults, I would say you don't have to see it. You could probably skip it, but I think for kids, they might get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Okay, let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week. We got what you gonna do when the world's on fire. It's a Ooh. Yeah, that's a very appropriate title considering what's uh, going on right now. I've been looking forward to this one. We got Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. That's too better. Than, that's too better than the other one. Yep. That's that that one then plus two. These are uh, on April 7th, by the way, Tuesday. We got About a Teacher. This is going to be on Amazon Prime. We got She's Allergic to Cats. Uh, that looks like this kind of surreal experimental type film. I've heard good things about that. It, it, I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't look like it's my thing. But I think for, like for, it's my thing either. But I don't I don't have a lot going on. So <laughs> that's true. I might, <laughs> I might be checking it out. Who knows? That's very true. We got Dead by Dawn coming out, A Kid from Coney Island, Rootwood, which is a horror movie, Welcome to the Scariest Place on Earth. On Earth is italicized in there, so I'm kind of trying to put a little emphasis on that. What does that mean, though? I don't know. Why would you italicize it? Is that... I don't know. Oh, man. Uh, Agatha and the Truth of Murder, which is a story about Agatha Christie. Uh, solving a murder. All right. So, all right. The Perished. It's another horror movie. And then on the 10th, we have Sea Fever. Tiger Tail is going to be on Netflix. This is a film by Alan Yang. Tiger Tail. Oh, I thought this was like they already did a. No, but did you. Did you see that they are going to be releasing a bonus episode of it? No. Yeah. There's going to be a bonus bonus one coming out. Oh. I don't know when. Jesus. Uh, Jesus Netflix Christ. Netflix also has the main event, which looks like maybe a kids movie. We Summon the Darkness is coming out. That's like a horror comedy. We got Tape coming out. That's about it for VOD. Uh, on Blu-ray this week we have Little Women. This is the Greta Gerwig one. Okay. We have Beyond the Door from 1974. That's an Arrow video release. American Pie Presents the Naked Mile from 2006. 
That's probably one that Ryan saw and liked. Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, Breach from 2007 is getting a new Blu-ray edition. Uh, Supernatural from 1933. Uh, let's see. VFW. I think I already mentioned that last week. I'm not sure if it's like... I'm not, I don't know what that's all about. Doolittle from uh, earlier this year is coming out on 4K. Cats from... Uh, Late last year, cats. Wait, did you say last year? Yeah, wasn't it last year? Didn't it come out the end of last year? It was December, Maybe. right? I think you might be right. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was December. <laughs> Just seems like cats was a long time. Ago. I know it does. Yeah. Did you see the 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 video for the butthole cut? <laughs> so funny. No, I I mean I saw that it exists. You shared it with me. I was like, I'm not. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> I'm not. The, I'm, <laughs> My quarantine life isn't that bad yet. It's it's pretty funny. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, Knives and Skin from last year. I'd recommend checking that one out. It's pretty interesting. Um, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Bunch of anime okay. coming out. But mm-hmm. uh, what about Criterion's? Oh, Army of Shadows, Melville, nineteen sixty nine. Hell yeah! Which is uh, I think this is currently the the giveaway. Correct. That is the giveaway. So if, if you want to win a copy of Army of Shadows on Criterion, head over to the site and enter to win. Yeah, and it's got uh, it's got uh, decent number of special features on here. Get a restoration overseen by the director of photography. New our audio commentary from 2006. Interview from 2007. On set footage. Archival interviews. A documentary from 2005, a short documentary from 1944, restoration demonstration by the DP, all sorts of stuff. Nice. Have you seen this? Uh, I want to say yes, but I don't know. I know <laughs> this is one of those movies that's been like on a watch list for ages. Yes, I watched it and I gave it a nine out of ten. I gave it a ten out of ten. Uh, this was this was like I remember. I actually don't remember a whole lot about the movie, but I do remember loving it and thinking that it was like absolutely gorgeous. I think it's coming back to me. Seeing some images here. I guess that means it might be time for a rewatch. Yeah, I'm thinking of giving it a, a rewatch when it comes out as well. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider giving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Sorry.